Hi, everybody. So um, this is our first episode of the Skies and Currents podcast. Um, my name is Christina Funkhauser. I'm an astrologer and a mother and a writer. And I'm here with my very best friend in the whole world um, and also sort of my spiritual mentor in many ways, um, Teresa Ulfa. Teresa, do you want to introduce yourself? Not really, but I will. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I've kind of been avoiding doing, I avoid this part of every conversation to such a degree. I can't even, like, I'm thinking back on all the times I've actively avoided it many times. It is more complicated for you, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, um, I'm very fortunate to be uh, to have Christina as my long-term friend. I think we've been friends since 2002 or three. 20 years. So yes, 20 years. Um, it's a very long time. And you know what's really nice about that is kind of enjoying all the different versions of you. Do you know what I mean? Like as you get as you grow older and become older and so we've worked together at you know bakeries and at school and in the theater and in film and lived together and um we've had babies around the same time and so it's just it's one of these things that i was never so as i mentioned before i don't really introduce myself and i don't talk about my work with people that aren't actively interested so I did not expect to recruit you at any point. That was a very <laughs> unexpected and pleasant surprise. Um, but I got you and <laughs> lured you in, lured you, you into. You the... reeled me into your, to your, uh, to your work, your wonderful work. Um, it so... took a long time, though. I resisted it for a very long time. <laughs> all forms of spiritual anything I resisted um, for quite some time. With good reason, you know, <laughs> with really good reason. Um, I started doing, so I, I very quietly started doing um, meditation and just like playing with energy work when I was 13. Um, and then later um, found teachers and started doing regular meditation practice when I was 19. And at that same time, started taking um, psychic and healing classes and then found um, one of my most influential teachers, even though I didn't get to work with him for long, uh, Brew Joy, when I was 21. Um, and shortly after that window of time, that's when I started going into um, I guess, different states of consciousness regularly. Um, and it's been uh, a very hard to condense, hard to condense journey um, since then. So but that's part of the reason that it's challenging to introduce myself is that um, it's really hard for me to pick out all the key points and it was also kind of a very the things that I think are maybe the most 
interesting for people that are interested in this work are the times for me that are the most kind of amorphous and watery and hard to talk about also. Um, So that's why it's always really nice to have you and um, my husband around because you can remind me (laughs) of all the different things (laughs) because I I don't tend to hold, you know, I I don't really hold on to most of that. Um, So I... I've been doing healing work and intuitive readings since um, 14 years ago. I don't know when that, how long that, I can't think of what year that was, but so 14 years ago I started doing that. And then um, six years ago I started doing group meditations where I do the same type of healing work that I was doing on individuals um, in groups. And then three years ago, um, I started working more closely with groups. So I was offering meditations, but then I was also working um, with a group of people consistently showing up. Um, and, And one of the early experiences that I had, um, was moving into uh, what are considered salvicalpa states, salvicalpa samadhi states, and then um, a fixed samadhi state uh, via a a subtle body structure called the blue drop. Um, And that was very intentional uh, practice. I didn't know if it was going to work, but it was a very intentional practice on my part, so it wasn't like it just sporadically or you know just hit me out of nowhere i knew that that was the work that i was doing um i still didn't think that it was going to happen um so when it did i was very very surprised and the transition was extremely um like disorienting and disruptive to my life and despite that there was still a very strong part of me that wanted to be able to offer that to other people Right. Um, which, you know, doesn't totally make sense. But even still, there was this drive. It was like, I want to be able to someday for my work to reach a, st- a point where I can do this for other people or help other people get to this point. Um, and so in the last three years, that has come to fruition. And we've got a pile of folks going into these states including Christina. So that was exciting. (laughs) Right. So you, so for people who don't know, you um, have a a group called Inner Currents, um, which you're sort of like the facilitator and teacher of, um, or the primary teacher with, um, with your husband, Jeffrey, um, you guys sort of facilitate that together. Is that a correct way of describing yes. it? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, there's a group of us, you know, that meditate together and um, do the spiritual work together. And Tess sort of is, I guess, the central locus of it. Um, and we have been collaborating in this work, um, both doing the spiritual work together, but also um, offering astrology sessions 
um, and group astrology work for the last two years now. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. this podcast, um, Skies and Currents, is sort of a combination of uh, of my practice as an astrologer and Tessa's practice um, as a, a teacher and um, a person who can do healing work on groups and open up these deep meditative spaces. Um, So we kind of combine our work into looking at um, the astrology of the moment and then trying to develop a way of an offer way of mediating or remediating um, some of the astrological difficulties by offering meditations um, and combining some of our spiritual work um, with the astrology. Is that a correct sort of anything to add to that in terms of description of uh, our astrological work together? No, I think that's great. I think, again, it's it's hard to define just because we are such good friends and we're working together in so many different ways and we're relating to each other in so many different ways. But um, yeah, I think this podcast is sort of branched out from the astrology sessions that we've been doing together through intercurrence where um christina gives us updates about kind of big events as well as giving us some individual advice about what's going on for us personally um and we do remedial work for it but we also talk about how to um take advantage of certain windows of time especially in the context of your spiritual practice because you know there are windows where it's really good to do things um and christina's been leading us in specific sadhanas during specific windows of time which have so far been um they seem to have been extremely effective like i know that we're only they're a bit they're really long so we've only gotten through a couple of them but so far i'm like damn that really worked that was really good. And, and I feel kind of like I didn't even put as much into a lot of them as I usually would because you're carrying it for us. Um, so yeah, so it's a it's a combination of astrology and spiritual practice. And um, I guess there's probably going to be a fair amount of my intuitive insight or how I see certain things playing out, because that's always fun to do with you. Like, what do you see? Right. So that was sort of the idea between, uh, I think that's the big idea for me, at least with um, sort of transitioning into a podcast format is that um, I think that Tess and I have sort of between the two of us, a really fun and different way of approaching astrology because I get the benefit of Tess's incredible uh psychic and intuitive skill set to sort of fill in a lot of the detail that astrology leaves open or astrology leaves um, or at least for me because I'm not you know um, able to see beyond a certain level of detail astrology is really good at telling us what certain periods of time are going to look like what they're going to feel like what kind of opportunities will be available to us. Um, And Tess is able to bring in some really, some more specific insight that comes from 
directly from her um, intuition and her skill set that she's developed over such a long period of time. And then we also have a sort of um, untraditional approach to remediation. So typically the concept of remediation is you, know, you look at your birth chart and you try to figure out you know what your strong planets are, what your weak planets are, and there's all sorts of processes across a lot of different traditions around remediating um, your planetary difficulties. Um, we don't do like traditional kind of remediation by any means. Um, a lot of that is like more on the the scale of like astrological magic, which neither of us practice. But um, in our spiritual work together, we are um, you know really focused on having a direct relationship with God, a direct um, relationship with um, God in any form. And this has been really under Tessa's direction um, and Jeffrey's direction and, and their sort of insights. And, you know, that sort of led to me thinking about astrological remediation a little bit differently, which was how can we, instead of trying to use magic or specific practices to change our relationship to the planets, can we go through our relationship with God to um, just create a better orientation toward the planet um, and sort of let the divine help us with. So we, um, Christina explained the difficulties and then we beg for help. Yeah, in a very in very specific ways basically our work with intercurrents i mean at least it taught me or has come to orient me toward the divine in a very very relational way right mm -hmm. so if our spirituality is um for me at least defined by the personal relationship that i have with with the divine in several different forms and so there was sort of like a logical jump, I guess, that I almost like I made in my brain, which was like, well, if we can do that with, if we can construct a personal relationship with God, then why can't we sort of have a relational orientation to the planets as well, instead of like trying to use magic or trying to use certain practices to force a change mm -hmm. um can we enter into a relationship that is sort of mediated by the divine um that can help us orient to the planets differently um in new ways that can change our life for the better um in ways that maybe we can't even imagine so that's sort of where my mind was at with that. And we've we've been doing this together along with like the astrology updates for about two years now, um, just a, a small group on Zoom. So this is sort of like uh, a jump that we're making and trying to like formalize that work together and maybe bring it to more people. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, no, I think it's, um, I, I'm just, it's so hard to feel 
like you know proud of people without feeling like you might be condescending do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like, you want to be like that i'm like oh man this is just also this is great christina this is all so good um i it's just it's very hard um because a lot of you know we're sort of in this like new age western spirituality category of existence unavoidably um but a lot of the cultural traditions or kind of overarching beliefs we are not uh oriented toward at all um so for me i i think that any kind of will-based uh practices or magic is almost always going to be problematic or at least um an extraordinary amount of effort for an extremely limited yield um because it's always going to be <laughs> you deciding how things should be um and that's there's always going to be a limitation to that so you, just as you were talking about this idea of developing better relationships with things in our life that are difficult i'm like yes yes <laughs> right well it's it's led so i i started practicing astrology in i i think i don't even know 2016 maybe 2017 and it started for me after a period of a lot of um spiritual dismay <laughs> i guess um i you know grew up i grew up in a sort of conservative christian environment going to conservative christian school and in you know a big my family went to a big evangelical christian church and i was just a christian you know like it very basically um defined Western Christian, I guess. Um, and I was really important to me. Like I was a really serious about it <laughs> as a kid. And for a long time, I felt like very connected to Christ. And, um, you know, I had ever since I was little, a lot of like questions about the church and a lot of sort of like confusion and, uh, disorientation towards certain aspects of it. But yeah, I, you know, I took it really seriously and, I knew you for so long. We've known each other since high school. Basically, we had our first job together at like mm -hmm. a bakery in Carlsbad, you know. And so in high school, I didn't have much orientation toward you and your practice or sort of who you are spiritually. I'm guessing you weren't that open about it to oh, most no. people. Oh, <laughs> no, no. I didn't talk about it at all. Yeah. And then in our 20s, you know, we like we're in college, we're mostly just doing college -y stuff. And, um, and then you were living in LA, and I moved to LA. And so we're always close as friends. And then it wasn't until, you know, you, I think, you, you mentioned it earlier, but you started doing the blue work. Um, and you, you went into this really defined shift, you know, this shift of in consciousness. Um, and it was obvious to me that something was going on and that something had happened and that you had changed on a certain level. And then you started to become more vocal 
about your practice and, and what you were doing. And I was like, I love Tess. Like, this is so great. And I'm, you know, happy for you and this work, but I don't want to have anything to do with it. You know, like it was just like very scary <laughs> for me. Yeah. I was like, Tess has the occult, you know? <laughs> and you were starting to offer, you know, healing and different work to people I knew. Even my husband at the time was doing work with you guys. And I was just like shut down about it. Like, I was like, I can't you know, my programming was like very strongly opposed to anything that could be defined as the occult or anything that could be defined as, you know, new age spirituality. I was like, absolutely fucking not. This is the devil's work. <laughs> you know, even though I didn't really think that at the time, it just was too deep inside of me that that message that I had gotten like since childhood. Um, so I stayed away from it. And then suddenly everything started to break. I mean, I shouldn't say suddenly because it wasn't really sudden. It happened over a long period of time. But I think around the time my son was born in 2015, I had been questioning my religious orientation and my understanding of God for long enough that I went through a difficult period, both um, in my marriage and in, in, in having a child. And that difficulty was enough to make, you know, what was already a shaky foundation just sort of fall apart. And um, and I think astrology was like my first sort of um, peek into trying to figure out what else was out there for me spiritually. And... Um, and it just, I took to it right away. I mean, as, as soon as I started studying it, it was like, it all just sort of felt like it was like clicking into place, like click, click, click. Like it, it, I would hear something and I could just understand it. And it, it all felt like very deeply ingrained in me. Um, and so then I like jumped into to practicing it and built a practice fairly quickly and became obsessed. Like, you know, most new to astrology people become obsessed with it very quickly. Um, was obsessed with my own chart, reading everyone else's chart. And then um, I started doing the spiritual work with you guys, with Jeffrey and um, with you and Inner Currents. And in 2020, especially, I started attending your meditations and started learning about the subtle body and started learning about a new and different kind of orientation to the divine. And um, developing my own personal relationship with God outside of religion. And then astrology completely fell apart for me. And I was like, ah, oh, like, I don't, I don't even know how to orient to astrology anymore. Like, I don't, I don't like the way it's practiced in many circumstances. I don't like the way it's talked about um, on the internet, on Instagram. Like, I don't, I, I started to develop this distaste for it and feeling like this questioning of like, is it really helping people? Um, I don't, I don't like the way that astrology is now connected to this like content um, hungry society. And, you know, we're trying to like, you know, just create as much material for people to consume and and that gets connected to the transits and like oh trying to overhype everything that happens and i started to just feel very icky about it and not even understanding how i could make sense of 
practicing astrology and my other spiritual work, not because of any religious distaste for it anymore, but because the orientations seem to be at odds with each other. And it wasn't until we started really doing these sessions together that I got super excited about it again because I was like, oh, we can combine our efforts, like bringing people into closer relationship with the divine and also practicing astrology in a way that hopefully gives people volition and Mm -hmm. um, helps to explain what kinds of limitations people might have or feel in their life and the ways in which we can change our relationship to it. And, And then a whole new world sort of opened up for me and I was like, loving practicing astrology again and loving to loving understanding the planets as sort of time lords and uh managers of different kinds of karma in our life and um yeah it's just my work with with teresa or tess tess teresa (laughs) swanee either anyone yeah (laughs) I refer to her as Tess, my refer to her as Teresa, my refer to her as Swanee. So any of those three um, are all the same person. But yeah, my really my work with you just like opened up this whole new horizon and made astrology make sense for me again. Um, so yeah, I think that's where the idea to do this podcast come from comes from is wanting to a, just give people like a weekly update of what's happening in the sky because there's a lot of places you can get that, but we're going to try to do it in a pretty no-nonsense, like down-to-earth, like what are the really the most important things that you need to be thinking about and not try to overhype every single transit. That's really important to me. Like try to give people a sense of like what's really going to impact you and what's like the most helpful thing you could be thinking about in this moment. So doing a weekly update is a big part of um, what we want to do, but then also being able to, um, I think, talk about how we uniquely, um, how we uniquely engage with, with astrology in combination with our other spiritual work. Does that sound right? Oh, yeah. Tessie? No, that sounds great. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't think that either of us have, are likely to be accused of overhyping anything. Um, <laughs> it's not really. It, it, it is interesting because I have a lot of, um, you know, with the different kinds of work that I offer, I always have. Con- like conflicting feelings about how congruent they are. And astrology is hard because the way that it's commonly oriented toward, um, it, like in Western society, is it, it just, it centers the self in such a yeah. very material kind of way. And I'm very, 
I'm very much like honor unique and individual life paths. So I don't want to say that anyone's doing anything incorrectly or wrong because I think that there's a lot of different important things and a lot of different important ways that people can be. But it it isn't something like but I'm actively orienting the opposite of that, right? I'm doing like no self-justification practices. <laughs> no excuses, trying to let go of attachments, you know, kind of moving in, in the opposite direction. Um, so, but I've, I've always liked astrology as a tool because I think that understanding context is extremely important um, and kind of understanding how the... Um, how your personal volition or your actions or the content of your life is being affected by a context that is also changing all the time. Um, I think that that's an incredibly important tool. If you can, you know, think right. about to an extent, you shouldn't think about nothing but that because that's also going to be a problem. But, you know, just kind of having this, this sense of like, it doesn't matter, like I can do, or not that it doesn't matter, but I can't, I'm not in control of everything. Even if I sit in an empty room by myself doing the same thing every day, the context is still cycling through these different things and it's still changing. Um, and the other thing I really like about astrology is um, that it gives us this glimpse into how different people are. Right. Um, which I think is something that if you haven't really thought about it or really studied it, you can take for granted and just kind of assume that everyone's kind of like me. And I think we all do this to an extent. Well, everyone likes XYZ. Everyone only wants this. Everyone wants to be in a relationship or everyone wants a family or whatever it is. But when you start to look at astrology, you realize like, oh no, people have very different values and people can have the same values but orient toward them very differently. Um, so I think it's a really nice um, perspective practice as well as context practice. Um, and yeah, and anything you're going to integrate into your... Um, anytime you're going to leverage or utilize your relationship with the divine and your practices with the divine into improving your relationships with yourself and material reality and all the elements of the world I'm always going to be on board for. So, yeah. So Well, I feel like I think this is basically our intro episode, essentially. Um, so it's going to be like pretty different than what we'll normally do, which is, you know, maybe probably start with an update and then, you know, riff on what's going on for the world and for us and how that relates to spiritually, um, to, to our spiritual orientation. But I think since we're sort of doing this intro now, I kind of want to ask you a couple of questions that might help people like understand like what you do, um, a little bit more clearly, and then maybe talk about, um, our conception of astrology a little more specifically so that people can have the context of like who we are and where, where we're coming yeah, yeah. from. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, like, w can you, so we're called skies and currents because I'm skies of grace astrology and Tess is 
from intercurrents intercurrents is her group so i want to just like give people a little clarity on what it is that you do in your group so my understanding of it as someone who is involved (laughs) is that your primary goal is as like a spiritual teacher and facilitator of meditations and healings is to help people connect individually without um the 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 definitions of society or the definitions of religious institutions um impacting the the relationship i'm trying to help people connect individually with the divine in whatever way makes the best sense to them um we talk a lot about bhakti in this group so having like love for god um having devotion for god but outside of the context of of cultural and religious definitions is that feel like a good jumping off point for you (laughs) no that's great i i really appreciate it because i never know where to begin with this i'm like what what do we do christina thank you for telling me um so both jeffrey and i have always been oriented toward um just being in love with God outside of the context of religion. So even though I was kind of raised in a religion that my parents weren't super into, it was never really about that. And I always just had a very, very strong sense of the divine being present and being with me. And I, I feel like that was why one of the big reasons that I fell in love with Jeffrey was listening to him talk about just how much I remember just sitting next to um, him by like this little man-made lake in LA and him talking about how much he just loves God and his eyes like bright with inspiration and I was like oh man I hope you like me back because I really like you. (laughs) Um, so So this has been our personal orientation for a really long time and it was never something that we offered we've offered a couple different um like healing techniques and practices over the years but when it started being like oh i'm gonna be able to move people into different states of consciousness like when i reached that point then it had to be how are we gonna do this safely for people like, how are we going to give mm-hmm. them tools for their own stability and their own support right. system? And when you say moving people into different states of consciousness, can you, like, give people a little more specific idea of what you mean in terms of, like, you're, you're reorienting people's relationship to fundamental reality around them, to the divine, to, like, how do you define like moving people into different states of consciousness. So, and it's really hard to use some of these words because they've been used in so many different ways that they can be interpreted in so many different ways, but samadhi is a common term for this. And to, to us, this is kind of like an exalted and sustained state of consciousness. And there are a lot of different ways that you can alter your consciousness. Um, not that I'm recommending any of these specifically or not recommending them, either one. But, you know, certain types of controlled substance use, um, 
you know, if you're playing a musical instrument and you kind of get into that flow zone, or if you're doing, uh, you know, there are a lot of different practices that can move you into different states of consciousness, but usually they're very temporary, or you have right. to continue doing whatever it was that initiated that state of consciousness in order to sustain it. Um, and so what we're doing is we're looking for specific mechanisms in the subtle body that if they all do different things. Some of them kind of pop inside out, some of them burst, some of them sort of yank your subtle body through them. But, you know, if, if these ones are, if they're fully activated, that shift in consciousness is sustained. Um, and so then you are just in a permanent state of samadhi and eventually you can use that to develop other practices or to further your meditation or oftentimes you gain... Um, like an internal sight or a psychic ability alongside that. So, um, but it, it is a very, I'm trying to, it's, it's hard to describe, but it's like a, everything, depending on what it is, there are different kinds of samadhis that you can go into, but it, it's like your sensory perception and the way that you feel and the way that you relate to yourself in the world shifts, like it changes. And then it, you go through the transition window of, um, getting used to those changes the right. the the example that i often give is like when your phone gets updated or when you get a new phone and you're still your muscle memory wants to use all the same buttons as before so even though it's technically a better phone you're worse at using it until you get better at using it so there's that transition window um and then right. hopefully on the other end you're better and so you help people go into these sustained states of change why why does anyone want to do this what does it do why does it help you i mean people obviously a lot of people want to do it people take psychedelics people sit in meditation in caves forever like i it's a given that it's something that people want but like why why is it good for you like what does it do what opportunities does it create so there's there's some problems about the way that they've been interpreted. So one of the ideas that a lot of people have taken on when they've, I'm sorry, something very loud is going by my house. Can you hear that? Mm -mm. I think it was some kind of motorbike, but it sounded like a parade of insects, just <laughs> like noise, but I don't think that's what I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, no worries. But so there's a lot of miscommunications and mistranslations between teachers and people about these different states of consciousness because a lot of people have gained the impression that there's just absolute bliss and happiness and fame and money and lack of responsibilities and inherent authority. Um, and all these things just kind of like drop into your lap when you go through these sustained states of consciousness. And um, it, there are states that are incredibly blissful. Um, so I'm not going to say that that doesn't happen. And there are uh, there are ways to leverage these realizations into the world to gain authority and wealth if you mm -hmm. are so inclined. Um, but I think the real 
benefit of it, or at least from my orientation, is that you gain the ability to do better spiritual work. Um, you're basically kind of like trying to get more leverage to propel yourself forward more and more and more. Um, so if meditation is part of your practice, the meditation gets easier. If uh, mantra rest, and yeah, and it gets deeper. Um, if your inner sight opens up, oftentimes that can be very good insight for the other kinds of practices you want to do or um, move through the internal crap that we're all full of. If you can see it, sometimes it's a lot easier to move through it. Um, Gender relationship to the planets a little bit more effectively. Yeah, I mean, for sure, everything gets smoother over time. Like, and you do feel much closer to what you are. Does that make, if that makes sense? It, it, mm -hmm. it feels more, you start to feel more like, oh, this is what I am. As opposed to pre-samadhi, there's always this kind of almost like disconnected or yearning or searching or right um who am i what am i what's the bigger picture yeah, yeah. who wh what are we doing here yeah a lot of that stuff just gets very clear yeah and or it just or it becomes very like thin um and yeah. also one of the things that i've experienced is that um the material reality world is very illusory in a very obvious way like it's not something that i because before going through it i had read enough books and kind of been exposed to enough stuff that i understood the concept of the maya and the illusion and you know yeah. this isn't real or whatever and i totally was 100 percent on board like yeah of course that makes sense but post samadhi it was like looking around i'm like oh yeah this is a this is kind of here it's this is something you know <laughs> this is <laughs> This Only is very wispy. This is kind of yeah, yeah. So it just it, it kind of gives you these other um, just the, the the experience of being a person changes dramatically. But it is interesting because the way that you're oriented toward spirituality or toward life before samadhi is going to impact how you express and process and utilize it after so it isn't like mm -hmm. everyone on the other side is suddenly a well of compassion and wisdom and insight you know all these all these kind of ethical uh pedestal things that we we have in our head that we'd like to believe these sorts of states just naturally lead us toward so you can still not be a great person unfortunately yeah. if that's the way you're inclined so which is what is like a perfect lead up to our original question which was defining inner currents and oh. why do you want to help people create maintain um define their own relationship to personal relationship with the divine um you know you said that you wanted you said that once you realized you could help people move into these sustained states of consciousness, that you wanted to help people start to define their own relationships to the divine. And you started to build an organization sort of around that as a concept or as one of the core concepts. Um, so why is that important and how do you do that? 
So one of the big reasons it was important to us is that we did not want to have a high control group. And it was one of these things that kept us from working with groups for years. We did not want to tell people what to do. We don't want to tell people how to live. We don't want to tell people what's right. Um, we so don't... basically, you don't want to change people's orientation to the world around them, change, shift them into a different state of consciousness, and then suddenly be like, this is how you operate in this new reality. You you follow all of our rules. You want to avoid right. that. Right. We want to, well, and it's, and it's, but it's a challenging thing because when you start to shift somebody out of whatever stability they had in their life beforehand, it kind of would be a little bit ideal if it was a functional possibility to be like, okay, now you live here and we're going to take care of you. And this is how, these are the right things to eat and the right things to wear and the right things to do. Um, but we just don't think that there's a functional opportunity for us to do that. Um, not right now, at least not in this culture, not maybe ever. Um, we also are both not interested in telling people what to do. I think it's one of our biggest struggles as parents. We do not like it. We don't like telling people what they should be doing. Um, <laughs> um, but at the same time, we really needed to feel like people would be safe going through this and like they had their own support system and they had something that they could uh, reach out to and draw on when you do need help because you really do need help when you're going through these windows of transition because it can be extremely it, it, i mean it, i i haven't done a lot of these things but it, it's like a bad trip right only it's like a bad trip where you don't know what you took or what the dose was or how long it's going <laughs> to last and so yeah. you need <laughs> it's actually really funny because this is something that jeffrey told me years and years ago now before i needed the advice but he said you need to recognize and feel safe with your ishtadevata with your personal you know form of god that you're devoted to because there's going to be a time where you are stuck in a storm at sea and you're going to call their name and they're going to show up and you want to recognize them and know them so that they don't freak you out even more and so that you feel safe going with them um and this was i, I actually had like a very almost exactly similar experience inside where it really did feel like i was caught in a storm and I saw my. So you're talking about after you went through one of these shifts. Yeah, after I went through internally. one of these. Yeah, I was like in this. Actually, very early on in the you know when that shift started to initiate, um, and I called out for help, and they showed up, and they were very big, and they were very scary, and I could totally understand why he said you need to know them and you need to feel comfortable with them before that happens. Um, and again, we weren't planning on teaching that at that time. But it just was the thing that made the most sense um, later, like in, in the group context. And it's also one of these things that has given us so much personally that we feel like even if people aren't interested in the samadhi work or they're not wanting to go into, you know, these big changes for themselves, it's something that many people can get a huge amount of 
uh, fulfillment and peace and benefit and joy from. Um, it's not something that I think is for everyone. Like, I genuinely right. think that there are people that are just not, um, you know, interested in God or not oriented in a relational way or um, need the structure of a religion and a community to, you know, be fulfilling in that way. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, I think that that's all fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of spaces where people have offered what we think is most important, which is we support you in your individual relationship and your individual life. And we're not going to tell you how it should look or right. what it should be. Well, it's so to give like, just to try to, I guess, illustrate the difference between kind of what you guys do and what people might be more familiar with would be like, you know, someone is a spiritual aspirant and they find a guru and they go to that guru and they sit with that guru and then they try to go into some sort of samadhi shift or some sort of change or they try to make something happen. Then they're a part of this group, which is sort of like going to then define their relationship to the divine after that because you're going to be going into the lineage of that guru for better or worse like there's a lot of great gurus a lot of bad gurus you know people have all different associations but you know if you're going into a guru who a group with a guru who is like part of a krishna lineage right you're sort of like with krishna now and you're with that guru and you're in that guru stream um or you know you might go into like I don't know, some other group that has a different way of looking at God or, or worships a different form of the divine um, or doesn't personify the divine at all. Um, but what you and Jeffrey have basically created is a group where people can um, you know, try to shift into different states of consciousness um, in many different ways. Um, and also have the freedom to define their own relationship to God, whatever version makes sense to them, whatever personality speaks to them most clearly, um, whatever they feel most intimately relational with. Is that correct? Yeah, it's just, it, it's so, it's so important to us to not have, um, the ability for anybody to be kicked out of their own practice, you know, or to feel alienated by a group or to, you know, it's just, there are always going to be difficulties in human relationships because that's just the nature of us right. and how we really, like, it's just, it's unavoidable. It's going to happen. And a lot of different group dynamics take advantage of the inherent weaknesses and use that to leverage power mm -hmm. over people it, whether that's conscious or not it's just it's really common um and f for us it's it's it can be hard because i feel like we've all become very close friends so there is a group dynamic even though that's not what we want to be about which is lovely, but also I really appreciate that I don't have much to do with that. I'm not, 
an authority of anything so I don't have to you know manage that yeah. or worry about it too much and of course everyone's just lovely so that helps but it, to me it, it would just be an absolute tragedy for someone to invest their you know devotional energy and their psychic energy and their emotional energy and their their you know into their practice and then to feel um like it wasn't that there was no space for that for them anymore you know right. like, like all of that went into this other situation into this group and then for them to feel like they're no longer part of the group whether it's because people were insensitive or because you know whatever group dynamics exclude right. people which happens all the time but we really don't want the opportunity for that to arise as much as possible and another thing that was really important to us um, is not wanting to be at the center of other people's practices. So even though we're, you know, teaching and helping people and I'm doing my work to help people reach these places and Jeffrey's giving a lot of information, we don't want to be at the, we don't want to be the focus of anyone else's practice. So... Um, there are more reasons that I'm sure I'll remember as we go, but those are always the big ones that I think of when I think about how did we get to this point. And so far, I'm really happy with how it's gone. We've, but I, I contribute that a lot to the people that have come on board with us because it's just some of the greatest folks that I know. Well, when you say you don't want to be at the center, like, to me, that feels like you're saying you don't want to be, it, you don't want your group to be structured in the way that spiritual groups often are, where, where they're traditionally structured around like a guru right. or someone yeah. who is at the center of the practice. And that's sort of the opposite of what you guys, what you guys want. Yeah, we <laughs> do not, want everyone. We do not want You that. want everyone to be oriented sorry <laughs> toward no, their no, own... fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah everyone to be oriented to their own personal like uh relationship with the divine and and you guys are sort of like helping everybody get to where they want to go individually mm -hmm. as best you can is that correct yeah and and we have it's hard because it's we do have our own orientation you know and we can't not bring that in but we really do want people to be able to do whatever work is best for them individually and then to take whatever kind of you know realization or juice or knowledge or relationship whatever it is whatever they get from us um, or with us and then go anywhere else they want you, you know I don't really want to be the like determiner of others destinies you know what I mean like I just want to help out as much as I can and then I want people to kind of launch on their own like it's really important to me to not create ceilings for people you know because I don't expect to be ahead of everyone in every way all the time because it's no one is ever going to be like that and so for me, when you put yourself at the center of the group in like a guru situation, you're basically saying, well, I'm, you know, the most important. The most here. advanced. Yeah. The most advanced. And no one will ever, 
you know, your job is not to, your job is to be lower than me. And so, you know, I mean, there's other reasons that we don't want to be the gurus because it's just outrageously problematic and there's almost no examples of it going even remotely okay. But um, for me in particular, I, I, I just want to let, you know, build these relationships with people where I get to push people as far as they want to go and encourage people to go into whatever direction or other practice or other tradition that they want to go in. And I'm, I, I am really, I love it when people are successful. Like I get, it makes me really happy and I get really excited for everyone um, as you all move into your own things. And I, it's hard because one of the things I don't like to do is talk about people's practices and talk about people's achievements because I feel a little bit like that's not totally right. But everyone is doing really good work and everybody is having a very unique experience with it and everyone's choosing to do different things with it. And I'm so excited for everybody. Every time anyone sees something, everyone experiences something, everyone realizes something, everyone decides like, oh, I'm going to do this with my life or they gain some kind of skill set that they're going to use in a specific way. It's just, it's the greatest. It's, I don't really like a lot of the parts of teaching, but those, that part I do like, the part where people can like launch. So, um, yeah, we don't want to do anything that will create anything that inhibits that. Um, right. And it's, that's like sort of hits on, central point that I have learned from you and Jeffrey that I didn't you know understand before in any way which is that spiritual work is this sort of limitless endless um journey or uh process of development that doesn't have any specified direction or any specified end you know we have like such limited language around it in the West, um, you know, frequently people talk about like becoming enlightened as if that's, you know, one end point or that's, mm -hmm. you know, something that can be achieved um, in a specific way or um, well, this as is if the... there's just one road. Right. Well, yeah. and this is, there's a lot of, I think of it as like Christianized, spirituality that is not it doesn't contain the content of christianity but it follows a lot of the same approaches and the same ways of thinking about it as we do in a, you know christian even if we're not if we, if we don't identify as christian or we're raised christian there's it's a christian culture that we're in so we look at the right. world in a lot of the same ways just by default um and one of these ways is um thinking that there is one right path <laughs> right that everyone yeah. should follow and feeling extra super special when you figured out the one right path or that, you know, and so it becomes a really important part of your spiritual practice to think, oh yeah, I've got, I'm a part of the right group. I've got the right teacher. I'm doing the right thing. Um, and, and then the other thing is to use that sense of correctness to then justify other behaviors and other mindsets and other things. And so a lot of um, Western spirituality has sort of become oriented around vagueness, right? Kind of just mm -hmm. like, like a lot of different vague 
terms, vague goals, vague ideas, because when you keep it in that vague place, it's a lot easier to then use that to kind of mentally or in a group feel superior and then also to uh, feel as though other parts of your being or your actions or yourself are uh, simply part of that superiority and don't need to be addressed. So, you know, there's there's a lot of... You like saying it's almost like you people use spiritual work as blanket justification for everything that they <laughs> are or could be or, or do. <laughs> right. And, it, and it's an interest and it's largely um, intellectual process for most people too. So they think I have the highest teachings, right? Like that seems to be the end, the goal. It isn't even like the idea of changing yourself and having these internal realizations is not a part of a lot of different conversations. A lot of it is about things you know and things you have experienced in the past that have led you to know more things. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that a lot of the way that we've taken spirituality from different cultures in the West, we've applied that same approach to. Um, and it, there are a lot of traditions where there is you know, a step-by-step -step process and there is an end goal, um, like a specific realization that's the end and a usually extremely long, complicated system of austerities to get there. Um, and, you know, some of them work. I think it's really hard for a lot of Western people to employ a lot of them for the same reasons that we've been talking about. It's just the way that we think about spirituality is not oriented in that direction. So it's really hard to process, even if, you know, you really, there's part of you that really wants it. Um, but, but yeah, my personal orientation toward spiritual development is that it can go in a million directions and that it is endless as far as you know, you can possibly go. And so to me, the idea that like, and I don't want to be, I, I don't want to be like a undermining other people's experience because I, I do think it's important and everyone's going to be doing different pieces of their spiritual work in different lifetimes. And they're just going to be, and it's all great. Like it's all, you know, leading to something better and better. But I don't want to, Enlightenment is um, if you're if you're gonna if for, to me no one who is what I would consider enlightened is going to ever say I am enlightened because there will be no reason right. <laughs> because there will be no reason to state that yeah <laughs> and I would you know and who knows and who are you talking to and what is you know it's just for me it's like a very very far, far beyond what we are now point. And this idea of identifying with anything, as anything, using language to describe oneself, I'm like, these are all, you know, things that you overcome at a certain point. And, I'm, and I haven't yet, but I, you know, this is, this is kind of where, where we're thinking about it. So for us, the goal isn't enlightenment. The goal is, um, to develop this relationship with the divine, to have that 
um, help determine what other kinds of spiritual development work you might be interested in doing or not doing. A lot of people just want to have that connection and that's it and that's great. Um, and then uh, just continuing to work on different sadhanas, you know, they'll move you forward. And so far, um, that's been a very intuitive process for almost everyone in the group. Like, it's been very clear, like, oh, this is what I need to work on now. This is what I need to do now. Um, and then Jeffrey also has kind of another set step of um, sadness and austerities to do if you want to do that with him. Um, but yeah, for me, spiritual development is like a winding staircase. Right. And it's really and it's, easy. That's it's really easy to get to the top of that first wind and feel like I'm at the top. <laughs> and then you yeah. turn a few corners and you're like, Oh no, <laughs> this is never. <laughs> never literally never ending ever. Yeah. That's, that's become very clear to me personally. And to, I think everybody that participates um, in your group, which is why I think that work is so special and also sort of what has, brought us full circle to this because my you know my orientation toward astrology got folded in in my own specific way and we're doing this little offshoot project and that's something really special that's come out of the culture that you guys fostered which is you know follow your own path and your own interests and make it particular to you and your soul and your you know work so yeah that's what we're going to try to do here is <laughs> one one little offshoot piece of the spiritual work that has um you know sp that specifically relates to our orientation toward the planets to astrology um and i think yeah maybe that's all we need to say for now We'll yeah, just I keep talking about this endlessly, sort of like the sure. spiritual process. Yeah, I'm sure. And if anyone listens to this and they have more questions, I'd be happy to try to answer them here or through email. Um, and I'm, I'm just really excited to be doing this with you, Christina. This is really nice. I don't think that I would be able to do this with anyone else. I don't think I'm not... I have like an auditory processing difficulty situation, so I can't listen to podcasts. And I also don't like speaking very much. So for me, this is not within my realm of things I would initiate on my own. Yeah. Um, but I am just really excited to be doing it with you because of you. So thank you. I'm excited too. And, you know, it's so funny. I was thinking about how like we tried to start this two years ago, mm -hmm. you know, we had this idea of like doing a podcast and um, doing a, a weekly astrological update and sort of talking about our spiritual orientations within that. And it just like, it completely fell apart because I don't know about you, but I was just not ready. Like we recorded one episode and I listened to it and I just had a panic attack and I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> this yeah. is not happening. Yeah, no, so it was like I had to do two years of the tiny Zoom group to even like get to the point where I could be mentally and emotionally okay with the idea of talking to an amorphous group or an amorphous public. Yeah. Um, and so. for us, the just like our real world life 
it's a lot more supportive of podcasts now. My kids are both two years older, which makes a big difference. And um, we're really settled now. And two years ago, we were in the middle of moving and trying to figure that out. So yeah, I think the timing was perfect. And maybe in the next episode, you can explain why (laughs) via the... Right. Okay. Well, onward and upward then, and we'll wrap up this conversation. And um, next time we'll talk about the planets. Yay. Well, if for those listening, thank you very much for being here for this conversation and for um, supporting Christina and I in our work. And especially because um, uh, it's really special that we get to do this as friends. So Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing this with us. Thank you, Tess. And we'll um, talk to you all soon. Goodbye.